Well, happy Easter resurrection morning. Amen. Let's give the Lord some praise. This is the most important day of the Christian calendar. Can I have an amen on that? The resurrection of our God. And so Jesus, uh, we're going to talk about uh, what he has done for us today as we get into the word. And I'm just excited to share some things with you today. What I want to talk about, and I'm going to kind of follow up with what uh, Shelly even shared last week about the divine exchange that Jesus has made for us and what he has done in this process. And I'm going to talk about today about four divine exchanges that he made for us through the resurrection. But I want to go into a little bit of um, uh, even his death on Friday and uh, the resurrection today. But before I do that, I wanted to share a po- It's kind of a poem, but it's really some thoughts. As Shelley shared last week um, about the divine exchange, uh, it was a powerful service about how when we praise God and we verbalize our praise to God, how praising him brings his presence. And when, he, and when his ca- presence comes in our midst as we're praising him, there is then a divine exchange that takes place on the inside of us, and God changes us from the inside out. Is anybody glad for that? Yes. And so the more we praise, <laughs> the more his presence comes, and the more his presence comes, the more divine exchange that happens on the inside of us. And God moves. And that's why we here at New Covenant worship center. We love to worship and praise his name because it, his, in his presence there is fullness of joy. And he is attracted to our praise. Is anybody glad that he is attracted to your praise? You can feel him come. You can feel him move as you're praising him. And so I really want to encourage you to get your voice back. I know many of us, maybe we, we don't sing that great, but the Bible says to make a joyful noise. It doesn't have to be in harmony, right? It doesn't have to sound good. Just make a joyful noise. So I want to encourage you to do that. But last week in our service, uh, someone, as we were going through worship, they sent me a, uh, what the Lord showed them. And I, it really leads into my message today. And I just wanted to re- read this. This was her thoughts about Palm Sunday last week when we were talking about this divine exchange. And so just listen to this. this uh, it's kind of a poem. But yet, it's, it's her thoughts. As we were here worshiping together, the Father's house, there is freedom in the house. Kids running free in worship, pouring our praise to Abba Father. The Father smiles in joy, delighting to see his children, enjoying the gifts they've been given. Close by the wall, the wreath on the wall hangs over the cross. Twisted, cruel, painful. I look and I remember. Sharp wounds, blood poured out. Look again at the Father, closely into his eyes. There are tears in his eyes, but of joy. The deep pain is not forgotten. He sees his kids dancing in joy, and he remembers the price paid. Our joy and our freedom came at a great cost. I'm going to repeat that. Our joy and our freedom came at a great cost. Our joy and our freedom came at a great cost. Our praise is fitting sacrifice for honoring His. Our praise is fitting sacrifice for honoring His a divine 
exchange. Father, I thank you that you have made a divine exchange with us. And Father, today I pray as I get into your word that Holy Spirit, you would begin to move in our hearts, that you would begin, God, even now as you do so well, you move our hearts towards you. I thank you, God, that the spirit of salvation is in this house, that any who are willing can come and receive of the divine exchange that you made for us. So, Father, I thank you that you are here with us, and I ask God for your blessing and your anointing upon this word in the powerful name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen. amen. Well, as I get into my message, I... I um, I know there's many people who are going to be watching this online. God bless you. We're glad you're with us. We know we have many guests in the house today who are with us today, but Easter is so important. But if there's any skeptics out there today and out on Facebook land, I, I, I've really felt impressed by the Lord to, to, to remind us that the resurrection of Jesus, the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ is not a fairy tale. There are many skeptics out there that do not believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That is what is the demarcation of our faith. It is the indisputable historical fact that Jesus Christ died and rose from the grave. And if you're a skeptic out there on Facebook or even in our house today, it's okay to be a skeptic. Let God convince you differently today. Let his spirit come and change your heart. But here's what I want to say. Christ's death, burial, and resurrection literally was prophesied 750 years before it happened. In Isaiah 53, we're going to read that passage. And I felt led to Lord to remind us not only of the resurrection, but of his death and the price that he has paid for us as we celebrate today. But Isaiah the prophet, he prophesied to the children of Israel that there was going to come a day. A day that we're celebrating today. 750 years, longer than we've been in as a nation. This prophet, it was recorded. That book of Isaiah was found in the Qumran caves. That book was found and it testified of what we're celebrating today. 750 years prior to he, him even coming on the face of the earth. And this is what the prophet Isaiah said. This is what he said. Surely he, Jesus, took up our pain and bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him, and afflicted. And here comes the prophecy. But he was pierced because it was was why because from the very foundation of god's creation god had a plan amen but he was pierced for our transgressions he was crushed for our iniquities the punishment that brought us peace was on him and by his wounds we are healed we all every one of us in this room we all like sheep we've gone our own way we've gone astray each of us has turned to our own way and the Lord has laid on him, everybody say him, the iniquity of us all. May God bless the reading of his word today. That he, surely he took up your infirmities. Surely he bore your sorrows. Surely the iniquity of your sin was placed upon him. Is anybody glad about that? <laughs> I'm sure glad of it. 
So as we go into talking about his resurrection, I want to briefly remind us of his death that took place on Friday before I go into the resurrection. Is that okay with you guys? And I want to walk us through just a time of memory. If you wouldn't mind, maybe even close your eyes as I begin to just remind us of what Jesus has done. So just close your eyes and walk with me for a moment as we celebrate Easter and his resurrection. I want to remind us how much Jesus suffered and the sacrifice he made for us. Holy Spirit, come as I share this. And Lord, move on our hearts. I want to remind us how much his love was poured out for you and how his love compelled him to willingly lay down his life for us. He was sentenced to death he was sentenced to death for us. Say, he was sentenced to death for me. Innocent, but mocked. <laughs> now listen. Innocent, but mocked. Innocent, but beaten by Roman soldiers. Innocent, but whipped so severe that they tore flesh off of his body. Innocent, but yet his blood was spilled out for our redemption. Innocent, but soldiers pulling out his beard and mocking him. Remember. Innocent, but yet this beating was so horrible to his face that you could not recognize him as a man. His head swelling from the wounds. And then they placed the crown of thorns and they embedded it into his scalp as they hit Jesus in the head repeatedly. Remember, for you. Most men would have, would have not survived this torture. But friends, there was more. He now had to, be, had to carry his own cross on his shredded back. This cross weighing approximately 65 pounds. As people threw rocks at him, spat at him, and hurled insults at our Lord. Remember, walking and stumbling, our Lord went a mile and a half as he walked up the hill of Golgotha, stumbling, picking it up, stumbling, picking it up. Once there, they took three six to eight inch nails and they hammered them through his wrist and his feet and they hung him on the cross. Jesus could not support his own weight because as he put his weight down on his feet, it hurt so bad. So the only way he could breathe was to put weight on his, on his feet to get a breath or arch his back in order to take a breath. So he would push down on his legs and breathe. Imagine his pain and suffering for just a moment as we're here. 
Just imagine the pain and suffering that he bore your pain and your sorrow. For more than three hours, the wrath of God was poured out on him for the sins of all mankind. My sin, your sin, the sin of the nations. Jesus was tortured on the cross to satisfy the wrath of God toward you. Jesus was tortured on the cross to satisfy the wrath of God towards you. Does that move you anymore? Does that move your heart? Does that move your heart to praise? Jesus had to endure this experience to open up the gates of heaven so that you can have access to God. So that your sins can be washed away, so that my sins can be washed away. All of them, every one of them. Every one of your sins was put on the cross Every blood drop that Jesus shed was to remove your sin. He poured out over a gallon of his blood. That's what's in the human body. As a ransom to be paid for your life. God said, my kids have been kidnapped. My kids have been stolen, and I'm going to pay a ransom to get my kids back. I'm going to pay a ransom for their life. And the price that I'm going to pay for getting my children back is the blood and body of Jesus Christ. Does that move anybody anymore? That was the divine exchange that took place on the cross for you and I. Does that move you? Many are not celebrating Easter with us today. The world is almost forgetting Easter. But Jesus was the divine exchange for us. And I want to move from his death to his resurrection because what his resurrection brought us, and I'm going to go into four divine exchanges that the resurrection brought us. But I want us to remember the sacrifice that Jesus paid on the cross. It was not a fairy tale. It is as true, as true, as true. Recorded in history, we are marking time from, from Jesus' life. It is 2021, right? We're marking time by, by, from our amazing Savior. And so I want to go into four reasons or four important facts about the resurrection that is going to bring, produce praise in your heart. There is a divine exchange that the resurrection of Jesus Christ, what he did. Now, there's more than four. I'm only covering four today, okay? But there are four powerful truths that I want to talk about today that really should move our hearts to to get out of the apathy and the complacency of our walk with God. 
and put us into a place of zeal, put us in a place of, oh my gosh, being thankful and praising him for who he is today. And so the first one that I want to go to today is I want to talk about the, that Jesus' resurrection, that it means we are justified before God. The Bible says there in Romans 4.25, He was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised to life for our justification. I just talked about what took place on the cross because I wanted to remind us in Romans 4.25, literally His death was for your sins. He was delivered over to death for your sins. He, he paid for your sins through his death. But your justification came through the resurrection. And I want to talk about what is justification. I want to talk about the divine exchange that took place from, from what we were to who we are now through Christ. That the word justification is a huge word we don't really use much in our culture. But his death was for our sins and his resurrection was for our justification. Justification means to be put right with God. Everybody say that with me. To be put right with God. The resurrection put you right with God. Say, I'm right with God. If you have confessed Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and you have surrendered your life to him, you have been made right with God. It is not through your actions. It is not through your deeds. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God and him calling your name as we talked about this morning. I thank God when I was 12 years old, he called my name. I didn't, I didn't go after Jesus. He came after me. Anybody else? No man comes to the Father. No man can come and get saved unless the Spirit of God draw his heart. Today, God is drawing all of our hearts. You're here today for a reason. This is a divine exchange that God's wanting to make today between him and you. And all of us are in different places in our walks with Christ. Some of us need to rededicate our life to Christ. Some of us need to get saved. Some of us need to just refocus and say, God, I'm going to put, a, put away the distractions. But justification means you have been made right with God. Making one righteous in the sight of God. I have been made righteous in the sight of God. Say, I have been made righteous... In the sight of God. The resurrection bought that for you. That gift, that divine exchange was given to you. Does that move you anymore? Now, we realize that in the scriptures, that because of our sin and our humanity, because of that we are separated from God, right? Right? Before we accept Christ, we are separated from him because of our sin. Is that not true? Before Christ, we are actually incapable of loving God. Before Christ, we're incapable of even approaching the throne of God. If you don't know Christ, you have no access to God the Father at all. Does he hear you when you cry? I know he hears you. But what gains access, what brings your justification, what removes your sin 
is you have been you have been justified in him made right and it's his blood that does that his death that does that for you but god in his holiness cannot be with sin he can't have fellowship with sin and so he had to make a way to redeem us, to justify us, to bring us back into right relationship with God. And I am so glad he did that. Now, there are times when the enemy comes to all of us and he accuses us of our guilt. Anybody, that voice ever knock on your, on, on your heart? When you've really messed up and you know you've disobeyed God and you feel like a worm. Anybody ever felt like a worm? Some of you probably have a different term that you would put there, probably. <laughs> well, the enemy tries to accuse us of staying in this place of Isaiah 59, of being hidden from God, of being, of being afraid of him. But your iniquities have separated you from God. Your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear. We don't stay there when we get Christ. Scriptures call us before Christ that we were objects of wrath. That's what Ephesians 2 says, that we were literally objects of wrath before Christ, before accepting him. Now, I'm assuming there are a lot of people here that love Jesus right now. But before Jesus, you were a slime ball, along with me. You were objects of his wrath. Guess what we deserved? We couldn't approach the throne of God. We couldn't get to access to him because he is holy. And so when the enemy comes to accuse us because of our past, we have to remind him of his future, don't we? But the beautiful thing is in 2 Corinthians 5, 21. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Let us all read that powerful scripture together. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. See, before I had the wrath before I deserved hell, the divine exchange is I have been made righteous and now I am justified by his blood. So the divine exchange that we're talking about is I move from sinner and the wrath of God and I move to righteousness and I move to being justified and made right with God. Does anyone want to say, better you want to say praise the Lord for that? The divine exchange that takes place when I receive Jesus as my Savior, as we celebrate his resurrection, his resurrection made that divine exchange possible for you. And we lose sight of that. We lose sight of the truth that we are justified and we are made holy, we are made righteous. Why, why do we lose sight of it? Why do we lose sight of this truth? Why is the enemy so easily come in and accuse the brethren, accuse us of our sin? Why is that truth so easily lost within our hearts? Because we all fall short of the glory of God. You see my sin, I see your sin, and what we do is we end up coming in agreement with the enemy, unfortunately, many times, and we accuse one another based upon the sin rather than our righteousness. 
and our, and our justification in God. We actually see each other after the flesh rather than seeing each other after the spirit. But I want to remind us, if I was to have Alex up here and I would put his wife behind him and, and I'm over here, I'm going to represent God. If I'm looking at, at, at Alex, you're going to see the, what's wrong with Alex. Alex, go ahead and come up here. We'll use Tori too. She's really sweet. Tori, you got to be the Jesus. <laughs> I can't make him Jesus. You understand, don't you? you, you you're right here. <laughs> and he's here. When, when I'm God, this is Jesus. Isn't Jesus looking pretty today? You don't even look at him. I'm sorry, I'm embarrassed. I didn't even get approval for this. Sorry. But your dad says you're always willing to help. <laughs> but when Jesus, when Jesus made the atonement for you, when he spilled out his blood for you, when he took, when he took the beating for you, now God, when he looks at Alex, you see Alex's warts, you see Alex's imperfections. I know his wife does. <laughs> but God sees you. He sees Jesus. He sees the author and the finisher of our faith. He sees the beautiful sacrifice of Christ. He doesn't see what what Alex's problems are because Alex has been justified through the blood of Christ now this is a metaphor and this is an example but literally God sees the beautifulness of Christ he doesn't see what's wrong with Alex you guys can be seated yeah they, they did a good job didn't they but we are some of the worst critics of ourselves And we are the worst critics of each other. We wound our wound, or we kill our wounded. But for us to see people and to see ourselves, I believe if we would get this truth deep in our heart that we truly are the righteousness of Christ, that we truly are justified, that there has been a divine exchange that's taken place between Christ and us, that he's given us, a free gift of justification, a free gift of righteousness that has been given to us because we have taken on the name of Jesus Christ. My questions, my friends, is this. Is the sacrifice that Christ made, is it enough? Is it enough? Did it satisfy the wrath of God? Did it remove his anger towards us? then if it did, receive it, believe it, and, and, and stand for it. It has been imputed to you as righteousness. It has, been, it has been given to you and your account that because you have taken on the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that he is both Lord and Christ. If you have taken the name, you are righteous before God. You have been justified. You have been made holy. And yes, that holiness and that righteousness compels me to worship. It compels me to move forward in my walk with God. I will not continue to sin if I love God. And when I make a mistake and when I fall short, it literally is I have already been made righteous. I receive again the righteousness of God. I confess my sin to you, God, and I thank you that you have redeemed me. You have ransomed me from the pit, and I am your beloved son. I am your beloved daughter. I belong to you because of the righteousness of Christ. 
and you give the devil a black eye and you say, shut up, shut up, shut up, shut up. I belong to the master. I belong to the king of glory. He paid enough for my sin. And when I fall short, I get back up and I say, not again. Because I belong to someone that is higher than I. And I've taken on a new DNA. And I'm telling you, the resurrection brought this truth. That you are righteous. You are justified by him. And don't let the devil lie to you. And it's all by faith. It's all by believing in the, in the shed blood of Christ. That his blood that he poured on Calvary was enough for your sin. I get a little excited about that. Getting a little hot and sweaty. The resurrection confirms that God accepted Christ's sacrifice for our sin on the cross. And it gives us access to the right relationship that we need with him. To be able to approach God, his throne boldly without shame or condemnation. We have that access. And Father, I want to thank you for the divine exchange that you made for us through Christ. That, Father, you literally see Jesus when you see me. You see me righteous because of Jesus. And so, God, I thank you that when we come to heaven, when we cross over, we do not die, but we live forever. And I thank you, God, when I cross over, it will not be by my righteous acts. It will still be by the righteousness of Jesus. Father, I thank you for that divine truth. God, would you bring and put that divine truth in us, that divine exchange. Father, I pray for a spirit of wisdom and revelation to be released over this house right now, that we would receive the free gift of justification and righteousness through Christ. Receive that in Jesus' name. Say, I am the righteousness of Christ. I receive that in Jesus' name. I have been justified freely by Christ. Father, I thank you for that divine exchange. I thank you that the resurrection brought the divine exchange that we are righteous before you. That is good news. Put that in your notes, guys. Amen. The second thing that I want to talk to you about, I've got four of them. The second divine exchange is his resurrection gives Christians a living hope of heaven. <laughs> His resurrection gives Christians a living hope of heaven. Look at 1 Peter 1, 3 through 5. Beautiful passage. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth. Everybody say new birth. New birth. Into a living hope. Say living hope. Living through what? The resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And into an inheritance. Say inheritance. That will never, say never. never, it will never perish, it will never spoil, it will never fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you. Everybody say amen. amen. That is a good divine exchange, if I may say so myself. Now, we've just went over the fact that we've been forgiven of our sins, right? That the blood of Jesus, the, 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 or the death of Jesus Christ took care of my sin, and the resurrection brought me justification. And because of that, I now have tremendous hope. I have a living hope. Everybody say again, living hope. Living hope. Why is it living? 
It's living because there should be no fear of death. There should be no fear in a Christian's heart of hell. This hope of this resurrection means I've been resurrected with him. I will be resurrected with him. And so right now, his perfect righteousness is for me right now, not a future thing. I can literally, literally live in heaven on earth right now. I, we're, we're bringing the kingdom of heaven to the earth by our presence. But this gift of God, of, of this gift of living hope, we are not bound to go to hell any longer. Many don't believe in a heaven and hell. Heaven and hell are not preached a lot in the church any longer. Hell is a real place with real fire, with real separation from God. I'm sorry, you may not believe it. I know that. But even most, most religions believe in a heaven and a hell. Now that doesn't say that it proves it by any stretch. But there have been life after death experiences. There's all kinds of things we could go into the proof. I'm not here to prove heaven or hell to you. you it is something you must believe by faith. And if you don't want to have faith for it, you won't have faith for it. But when we're born again, the resurrection of Jesus gives us a living hope of heaven. It gives us a reminder in our spirit, man, that we are sons and daughters that have been forgiven and that we have an inheritance in heaven. We have a place in heaven that is being prepared for us. That right now, there is a home, there is a building, there is a mansion, there is something that has been created for those who are in Christ, that he literally has went before you to prepare a place for you. And that you have that living hope that when you let go of this earthly body, this body that will go back to the earth, it will die and it will be planted into the ground, that body, yes, will be resurrected in that last day, but you will cross over from death to life. To a living hope, a living hope that is alive and well and real. Do you believe this? His resurrection, he conquered hell and death. And we have a living hope of eternal life with him. His resurrection when he resurrected and i i would love to have went into the details about what the scripture says about how he when he was in the grave and how he took the keys of the kingdom from satan he took authority from we don't know exactly what took place in those two days we don't know because the bible doesn't go into a lot of detail of it all we know is he took authority from the enemy and he went down to hell and he preached the gospel to those in hell that's what we know it's what the Bible says. He went there and he declared the good news that he is the resurrection and the life and he who believes in me, though he die, he will live forever. And that's who he is. He is the resurrection and the life. And we have a home in heaven. The, the resurrection of Jesus gives us a home in heaven. The word hope is a trusted expectation and desire for a certain thing to happen. Do you have a trusted expectation about what's going to happen when you go to heaven? 
This is our temporal home. We are only passing through. You may get 80 or 90, maybe 100 years in this earth. But you are, this is only rehearsal for the house and for the, the home that we're going to be in. So what is the divine exchange that happens with this living hope? The divine exchange is I'm no longer afraid of death and hell. And I get the divine exchange is I get a living hope of heaven with God. Is anybody thankful that you have a living hope of heaven with God? Is that part of your DNA? Do you believe that? It's just not a, boy, I hope I make it. Have you seen my past? It's, that's not the hope we're talking about. We're talking, that, that's a dead hope. The living hope that we're talking about is I know beyond a shadow of a doubt. Man, I tell you what, I used to struggle with my sin, and we all have sin. Every one of us, until you lay your head down, you're probably going to do something stupid. Because last time I checked, there was only one spotless lamb who was slain from the foundations, and his name is Jesus. So you're going you're to have a stupid moment. Most of you have multiple stupid moments. <laughs> and shame tries to ride our truck. Don't let your mistakes and your failures define you. Don't let your past define you. What Jesus Christ did for us on Calvary nullifies that, he redeems it, and he sanctifies you and makes you holy. And he gives you a hope of heaven, a living hope. Now, I'm not talking that we just sin because we, we, we think we can feel good and we want to sin. I'm not talking about a sleazy grace here. Real grace compels you to righteousness. It compels you. Man, when you get born again, I'm sorry, there's something on the inside of you that goes, no, I can't do that. I'm not going to live that way. That's not who I am. I don't go that way. I believe it, I, 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 I'm something different. And it compels me towards righteousness. But we have this living hope where we no longer have to fear death. I can't tell you how many times I've prayed with people as they're going to their deathbed. They've asked me to come in and pray with the, fa pray with the family and pray for the loved ones. I can tell which ones are born again and which ones are not born again. Those who are born again have this living hope and they are looking forward to the day of crossing over. And then there are those who are terrified, and they're like, gosh, I don't know, I don't know. They're scared. But those whose hope is in the Lord, he shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not grow weary. They shall walk and not faint. We have a living hope in God. We have a living hope of heaven. Can everybody say amen on that? Amen. Do you believe in that divine exchange? Good. I do too. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Now, number three, <clears throat> I want to move to. I'm moving pretty quick. How are we doing on time? Oh, yeah, we're in good shape. Some of you got some meals to go to, don't you? Getting together with family. Jesus' resurrection means we will be resurrected also. Now, I know this sounds similar to what we're talking about with we're going to heaven. But there is a bigger truth in the resurrection 
that because Jesus rose from the dead, you literally will be resurrected also. Look at 1 Corinthians 15. So will it be with the resurrection of the dead. The body that is sown perishable, your body is perishable. It will go to the dirt, right? It is going to be raised imperishable. It is sown in dishonor. It will be raised in glory. It is sown in weakness, but your body will be raised in power. It is sown a natural body, but it will be raised a spiritual body. Everybody say that with me. It will be raised a spiritual body. Christians will enjoy the resurrected life. Christians will enjoy their body that is not too good a shape right now on this side with pains and sufferings, and we're redeeming that, and we're declaring healing over it. But you know there will become a day where that body will be totally resurrected. There will no be no sickness. There will be no disease. There will be no infirmity within your body. The trumpet will sound. Jesus will return. The dead in Christ will rise. There will be a future resurrection of your natural body into a spiritual body. There will be a divine exchange, weak, imperfect bodies, to new resurrected spiritual bodies. Read 1 Thessalonians 4, and you will find how that process takes place. Anybody excited about a new resurrected body? I say, Atlas, you come on. <laughs> I say, 50s, uh, I think there's going to be a 20 or 30-some kind of spiritual body there. <laughs> I'm going to enjoy a new spiritual body. Anybody else out there? I can't even imagine what that day is going to look like. Can you imagine being on the earth and seeing a bunch of dead bodies come out of graves, popping out of there when the Lord comes? I mean, really, they're going to be going, dang, what just happened? <laughs> I mean, all those people that got toasted in the crematoria, all that dust coming up from the sea and coming out from all this thing and all these spiritual bodies being resurrected. That's going to be some day. And you say, you is nuts. Yep, I as nuts as can be. That is exactly what's going to happen. So, the divine exchange. Number four. You guys ready for the fourth and final thing that the resurrection brings you for the divine exchange? Let's look at this one. Jesus' resurrection means that Christ will judge the world. In Acts 17, it says, In the past, God overlooked such ignorance, and he was talking about sin. But now he commands all people everywhere to repent. For he has set a day, say that with me, he has set a day, say it with me again, he has set a day. God has set a day when he will judge the world with justice. Everybody say with justice. Not the justice that we're seeing in our world today. Not the justice that we're seeing with all the junk that's going on in our nation. But he will judge the world in his justice by the man he appointed. He has given proof of this to everyone 
by raising him from the dead. Because he raised from the dead on this glorious day over 2,000 years ago, he is the supreme judge. And right now in our culture, I'm sorry, people think they have the right to choose whatever they want, and they do. God has given us free will. But just because you think you know what you want, and what you want is you think is okay, does not mean that it's not okay with our Heavenly Father. There is a righteousness that comes from the throne of the living God. And that righteousness and that truth will establish all truth at the end. There is coming a day when both the living and the dead will be judged based upon what they have done. And that, my friends, without Christ is a scary, terrorizing day. That's why the, the Bible says it will be a great and dreadful day. The reason it's great is because we will not be judged because we've already been judged and we received the blood and we, the wrath of God has been removed. We will be judged based upon, our, or based upon our, our actions and what we've done and there will be a reward in heaven that you will receive based upon the works that you did on this earth. But the wrath of God has already been satisfied for you. You don't have to dread that day. You actually hasten it and you look forward to that day. Knowing that your sins have been removed, the scarlet stains that were placed upon your life, they've been removed by the blood of Jesus. And so you can look at that day as a great day. When the trumpet sounds and Christ returns, what a day of rejoicing that will be for those who love Jesus. A glorious day. But it will be a dreadful day for those who don't know Christ. And you say, how can a loving God send people to hell? Guys, I get that. We don't want anybody to go to hell. And God doesn't either. God does not want any. He wishes that none would perish. He wants all people to love him. He wants all people. He's given us a free will to, to come towards him and to move towards him. And he wants all to know his love. But the rebellious and those who refuse to bow the knee to Jesus Christ, there will come a day, a set day that God has declared where he will judge the world. And on that day, the things that have been done, every man will be held accountable for those actions. Our senators, our House of Representatives, our presidents, our governors, our people, our state legislators who make ungodly laws, they will one day see, wow, we were against God. And they will face something that is so unbearable. Separation from God. See, right now we freely get to either worship and love God or freely choose to walk away from Him. 
He doesn't demand and make you love him. And I know as Christians, we, we fall short. And sometimes we actually make the world not want Christ because of what they see. And I get that. But even you will be held responsible for that on the day of judgment as well. You'll see that. You won't go to hell because of the grace of God. But you will be sorrowful. You'll be sorrowful that you didn't represent the king of glory well. And the way of, to obtain forgiveness and eternal life is truly by believing in the Son of the living God. It really is not a difficult thing. But even now, I know the Spirit of God is dealing with all of our hearts as we celebrate this resurrection. And I just pray that because you walked into this atmosphere of praise, this atmosphere of people worshiping God, I pray that you are convicted to surrender your life to Him. I pray there's no one in here who has not accepted Jesus Christ as the Savior of all the world. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. But there is coming a day of judgment, and if you're here today and you don't know Christ, before we take communion, man, you have an opportunity to pray with us. I'm going to lead us in a time of prayer, of believing and receiving this glorious gift of Jesus Christ you would stand up with me today the way to obtain forgiveness and eternal life for all of us is believing in Jesus and turning from your sin believing in Jesus is what makes all the benefits of his resurrection yours and faith is what unites us to Christ and allows us to be saved from our sin that is a divine exchange. And Jesus said, I'm the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live, even though he die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? If you believe this, raise your hand. Jesus, we believe you are the resurrection and the life. We believe you are the resurrection and the life. Now I want you to pray with me. If you are, even today, if you want to accept Christ as your Savior, pray this prayer with us as we confirm our faith in Jesus today together. And at the end of the service, after we take communion, please come and see me. I want to help you in your journey with Jesus Christ so that you can begin to walk in these four divine exchanges of being justified and made righteous, of having a living hope of heaven, of having your heart changed and having a resurrected body in the future, and also that you have no judgment against you because you have exchanged your life of sin for a life of resurrection. 
So let's all pray together. Father, in the name of Jesus, I am a sinner that have been saved by your grace. Forgive me of my sin. If you're new to Christ right now, just ask him, Lord, forgive me of my sin. If you're new today to Christ, tell him that you believe in him. I believe in you, Jesus. That's what we're doing. It's as simple as being allowing the Spirit of God to convert you to his love. Now, Father, I thank you. Just say, Lord, I thank you that I stand forgiven because of the blood of Jesus today. That your punishment that you took on yourself was enough to remove my sin. So today I believe that I am clean. Today I believe that I am sin, sin, not sinless, but I believe that I am free from sin. I believe you've redeemed me. I believe you've justified me. And I believe you've made me righteous. In the name of Jesus, I receive your righteousness. Now, right now, just receive that. Say, I receive your righteousness. Lord, let people feel your righteousness right now. Let them feel that, Father, in Jesus' name. Thank you, God, for the righteousness of Christ. Let's pray again. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you for a living hope that comes through Christ and that I have a home in heaven. And I receive that in Jesus' name through the righteousness of Christ. Thank you, Father. Thank you, God. Thank you, God, for that divine exchange. I thank you, God, that we have a home in heaven. I thank you that we have a home with you. Now, Father, third, we want to pray. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you that I'm going to have a resurrected body. I thank you for the resurrection of Christ. I believe in the resurrection of Christ and I receive the resurrection of Christ in my mortal body. And I thank you that I will have a new body in heaven. Thank you for that, Father. And now, Father, we ask. <laughs> we ask, God, that you would just draw our hearts closer to you. As we get ready to take communion, Father, we thank you. We thank you. Mm. Now, if you would, take your elements. Sometimes they're hard getting out of. That little top foil needs to be pulled back and the bread's inside it. Just as a FYI, shake it a little bit or the juice is pretty nasty. This is only a metaphor. Bread representing his body that was broken for you.
and the blood that represents the blood that was poured out for you. And Jesus said, as often as you eat and drink of this cup, would you do it in remembrance of me? So may we as a church family, may we remember what Christ has done for us as his body was broken, beaten, shed for you, for your justification, for your righteousness, for your forgiveness, that you would have a home in heaven. Is anybody glad for that? Let us take the bread and eat. Thank you for the blood. I don't know about you, but I'm thankful for the blood. Craziest religion you may say in the world that somebody shed their blood for us. Hold that cup up. Lord, we thank you for the blood of Jesus that removes our sin. The blood that was shed on Calvary completely satisfied your wrath, God. And I thank you. In this we do in remembrance of you. Drink and receive the covenant from the Lord. want to you can pass your cups to the middle and somebody will come and pick them up can we turn up the music a little more the divine exchange my friends is God's judgment and wrath has been satisfied And your salvation and mercy and love and acceptance is the divine exchange that has taken place through the resurrection of Christ. Is anybody happy about that? Amen. Let's give him praise. Let's give him praise. Father, we thank you. Father, we thank you that your wrath was satisfied. We praise you today, God. As we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ, I thank you that you are the way, the truth, and the life. I thank you, God, that you have redeemed us. And Father, I just thank you for the divine exchange that you have made for us. And today, God, we celebrate the resurrection of your Son. God, may you bless your church. God, as we go out the doors of this house, may we share the love the forgiveness, the righteousness of Christ with everyone we come in contact. May you be glorified. May God send us forth as witnesses of the good news that Jesus takes away the sin of the world, God. We thank you for that. We give you praise. We thank you, God, for redeeming us. And so, Lord, send us forth as Christ is sending us. May you go out and spread the good news of Jesus today. We love you. Have a blessed day.